The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. episode number three of the business of the business podcast i am your co-host jp john paz from the two man power trip of wrestling and of course i am joined by the man the myth the icon he is from a trump mania he is mr lavi margolin how you doing today lavi i'm doing great i'm really excited about this episode you know it keeps growing i found some great info over the last week um in data and uh not that we set a rule but um we're actually going to start out with wwe today not something people have talked about much so we're not going to go into the ratings or the quarterly reports but something that i think you all will find really fascinating and i love that everybody has interest in this sector of the wrestling business the quote-unquote business of the business and like we said it's not gonna be too much WWE stuff but today it's gonna kind of go in that direction just because of this big announcement that was just made by nick khan and by WWE. and it's just one of those things where we're gonna have to uh, delve a little bit into WWE, even though we technically we don't do it too much and we're not going to do it too much so lavi what is the WWE talent management group i know they posted a thing on linkedin saying they are very excited to launch it but what is the wb new talent management group so officially the way they announced it, it says our talent management group will lead the brand development initiatives for our top tv and social media personalities within wwe from digital and social media marketing collaboration to collaborating with internal and external partners to drive new opportunities. The talent brand manager director will elevate our superstar brands to the next level. So when you go into the, um, the job listings, um, it gives you a little bit more insight um, into what the plan is. So work and collaborate across multiple business units to develop and execute growth strategies for our talent, drive opportunities for talent brands internally and externally, align talent goals and personal interests to WWE critical initiatives, develop and maintain talent marketing materials, collaborate with talent third parties to solicit and assess new opportunities. So that's one that I want to sort of focus on for the moment. Although, you know, we're not sure exactly what this is it sort of aligns with my imagination of what it could be especially with nikon coming over uh, from caa as really one of the most powerful um, agents who's now um, directly underneath vince mcmahon so the second most powerful business person in the company from what we can understand as an outsider so I think for a long time, things were sort of pointing this way for WWE to take the talents whom they are either helping to make famous or have made famous or utilizing the talents of the people who would become famous, but kind of giving them a rocket to sort of reach out in into the greater media landscape and celebrity. Now, I think that it could more formalize the way that talent interacts with things like Hollywood, commercial. Commercials and heard about some friction between maybe a talent going into a Hollywood movie. We're not sure what the WWE thought of that, but maybe there was some room in the contract or certain offers that might have come to the company. It had been rumored that not all the time they trickled down to the talent. So this might be a way of formalizing it eventually where um, if you want a WWE talent in your movie and they're under contract to WWE, it really has to formally go through them or something like a commercial. Um, I think if this is what they're pointing towards, they would really have to restructure contracts. Otherwise, it um, might be a little bit murky if it's if it's not in there already. But it was interesting to see it um, finally come out. The thing is, you hear stories like Renee Young saying she found out after the fact that 
this person wanted her for a cooking show or that person wanted her for an appearance and it never trickled down to them and they never knew about it. Is this a way of getting the talent more involved or is this a way of almost that going to continue to happen and getting the talent less involved? So it's, I feel like it's a more control element. So especially like at, at a smaller level when there's issues with um, Cameo or um, OnlyFans or, you know, um, any of those sites where a talent might be able to derive monies from, you know, themselves, but, you know, they might be utilizing their WWE names or under contracts where there was no go-between. So this is more of a control thing. Ideally for talent, it would be something where it's formalized, where you know you have an agency, you don't have to kind of figure out how to reach the talent, and WWE could market to Hollywood. Um, I've um, read rumors of, um, let's say, uh, Charlotte Flair and Alexa Bliss, I believe, appearing on... Um, uh, a remake of um, one of the 80s sitcoms. Um, uh, I was going to say Punky Brewster. Thank you. I was going to say Small Wonder, but <laughs> that was completely out of left field. So um, I've had the pleasure of interacting with Jimmy Fox, who's uh, one of the producers on the show, but I have not uh, asked him or, or reached out to to confirm if that's true. I'm sort of waiting um, like everyone else to, to find out. But, you know, Ideally, you know, by being part of an agency, you sort of have the the ability to um, to market talent and sort of a, an everyone wins scenario. Although looking at WWE's history for the last thirty eight years, not all the time does everybody win. That's one of those things too, where Sasha Banks apparently got notified through her agent and then not through WWE. So that was a way she can get on Mandalorian and accept the role without WWE's, you know, not, not without their knowledge, but really kind of without them being a part of the process until it was already set in stone that she was going to make the appearance. Is this a way of blocking that, of, of making, like you said, a control thing where Sasha Banks wouldn't be able to do that in the future? Yeah, so it's certainly, I think it could be a control thing. Like, let's say WWE is, is marketing towards kids and it's... um let's say an R rated movie or something like that, maybe they might say, well, you know, no, we're, we're not going to allow it because we don't want you to be portrayed in the public space in a way different than the way that we are choosing to portray you. So there's a lot of issues here. We'll see if this is what they really mean. Maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves and maybe it's just more of a control thing over Twitch and formalizing it. But I don't feel like that. I, I feel like this is something bigger, especially for the executives in charge now. This is, this is an interesting thing, and I love the picture. It's all the champions, but I guess it's a little bit old considering McIntyre is really the WWE champion, not Orton, but Orton is on there as the champion in the picture that WWE released, and this is where, quote-unquote, hashtag, where champions work. I just thought that yeah. was kind of funny. It's like they couldn't update the picture. I mean, they literally released this an hour ago. They couldn't update the picture. Yeah, it was a little bit lazy. <laughs> Sorry, WWE. Yeah. When you look in the upper right-hand corner, it says DVD video. Like, it has yep. nothing in DVDs, but yep. it's a nice, you know, it's a nice picture. Like, the, I think that's one of the, the challenges to sort of storylines and booking now. Like, when you're marketing these things, like, let's say it's a toy or a poster or, like, the front page of your quarterly report, you have, like, a champion. And when you had Hulk Hogan be the champion for years or Bret Hart hold it really consistently, like, prior to the Attitude Era, people would say, who's the champion? And then you could name them and refer to them and sort of, like, they could go around at the corporate level. If it's being moved around so much and shifted, it's very hard to sort of, like, drive towards that. So Sasha Banks obviously gets the big role on Mandalorian. For whatever reason, they're not allowed to really promote it. I don't know if that, that's a Disney thing or not, but they haven't really promoted it. With this new talent management thing, is this going to be a way of all promotions will be done by WB? And if the person is a part of, let's say, Mandalorian in, in the future, they'll have to be promoted. Do you think that'll be a part of the deal as well? Because I feel like that is a good reason to get these people out there is to say, hey, you know, Stokel Steve Austin is on Walker, Texas Ranger this week. Like they used to do nonstop. Hey, Triple H is on uh, Pacific Blue. You know what I mean? Like I feel like that's a big part of it. And with Mandalorian, which is obviously one of the most popular streaming shows of all time, you got to get the brand name out there, no? No, it's a great point. I think, you know, if it's done well, that could be a really great benefit. And, um, you know, in a, in a timely news, un unfortunately, like 
Although, you know, the movie might not have done so well at the beginning. That's a little bit questionable, but no holds barred, right? It was the perfect brand integration, including the late um, uh, Tony Lister Jr., Zeus, um, uh, you know, where you had the movie, but then you had the talent appear in the wrestling shows and one thing fed into another and it was fairly seamless. With no holds barred and then you had him work the matches too i mean he uh, had the no holds barred the movie the match and then he had SummerSlam 89 that was pretty good as far as just i know box office maybe wasn't good but, but as far as the actual movies but box office for wb and SummerSlam 89 was good and obviously you know zeus helped get a nice little uh, buy rate for survivor series as well so he was definitely one of those things where when you do co-brand and you do co-mingle like that there is a benefit to be made yeah, and they've been figuring out ways to make money off that movie for 31 years since then. So <laughs> maybe it didn't hit so well the first time, but um, but you know it, they're chipping away at it, whatever. If they're in a deficit or they're kind of building on the bank, if if they are making money. Uh, great movie, to be honest. I, I love that movie. Just looking back at it, the thing is with the the talent management group. I wonder if a lot of it, like you said, is control, but I wonder if it's also the uh, on the the wrestlers themselves now they really really have to look at their contracts and really look at what they're signing because if they're going to do this talent management group and they're going to have these initiatives and they're going to be you know kind of controlling social media and controlling all these things and all these opportunities for the wrestlers i feel like you really got to know your contract because if you're going to try to do this or you're going to try to do that they make really kind of be able to either fire you suspend you um fine you whatever the case may be right i mean this is one of those things where now okay you really got to look at your contract maybe even if you have a renewal redo your contract you're gonna have to really focus yeah it's sort of like it's all encompassing so you're sort of like all in with this talent management company which is wwe whereas with a company like AEW, you are still somewhat of an independent contractor. Look, look at John Moxley, right? He's uh, wrestles for New Japan and um, uh, Katar Pro Wrestling. It was announced, right, that he'd be on a show not till October. But look, he comes up with ways to make more money, even in pro wrestling. That's not even to say if he wants to be involved in a variety of other things. And I think he was in a movie, or maybe that was a WWE movie. I'm confusing myself, but you know, he does have the option to do if it's available whereas with wwe if you're not there yet you might be able to get pushed into an opportunity right like um uh you know um mr kennedy um right he was in the you know one of those remake movies that they have version five or whatever you know i don't know if he would have gotten that opportunity um if he wasn't part of wwe so i don't know how much it turned into but you know you have to sort of like figure out what works best for you and risk versus reward yeah for sure some of those guys i think it's it'll be great for them some of them i think it might stifle them or or they might you know not see a role that was out there cm punk also has a great story about how somebody wanted him for a role he found out about it after he left the company and he said well what happened they're like oh they passed it on to uh, john cena you know they, they you know they passed it on to the next guy whoever WWE wanted to push at that point so definitely if you're like a roman reigns or a sasha banks i think you're going to be getting more opportunities i think maybe the mid carters or the guys they don't see much in I don't know if they're going to get that opportunity because WWE will just block it and you'll never know about it. Yeah, I think like sort of if WWE, that's like a great rocket to attach yourself to. But sort of if you're in the middle, like to appeal to your fans with like, you know, Cameo or something really helps to build things up. So you sort of have to balance it out, try and build up your name as much as you can with WWE so that you have options when you move on. So do you have any anything else to add about the talent management group to before we go forward and talk a little bit about Twitch? Not at the moment. I'll be we'll be watching with eyes wide open and hopefully come back to it as as more develops. So as far as Twitch and and you're going to have to kind of explain this to me because I had uh, a buddy of mine was trying to explain Twitch and all this other stuff. I'm not really into the the gaming community, the gaming world. I know people use it for other reasons as well, but kind of just you know maybe explain. What is Twitch? Okay, so the initial idea of Twitch at its core, it was to share gaming. Um, sort of like uh, if you're really into a video game, 
maybe you want to watch somebody else play it. Um, it's especially appealing in like a video game where there's a world that's sort of like open-ended. So it's not like somebody's playing in isolation, but it's like this whole open-ended world. So you might actually encounter this person i was going to say in real life but on the gaming platform um my wife and i actually wrote a book called six figure gamer and one of the ways the person would make money would he would go on twitch they could see he was a good player and people would um give him like bits like kind of like giving him you know like in um arena mexico when somebody has a good match they throw like coins in the ring mm -hmm. uh, so basically if they're enjoying your playing people like to throw money at you um so that's how a lot of people make money traditionally on twitch but what happened was they realized hey you know besides video gaming this is a way to stream a lot of different things and probably what the people behind the company noticed and i think it was since acquired i don't think it started as an amazon company but it's owned by amazon now to make that clear um one of the things that started gaining momentum uh, a couple years ago was pro wrestling so there was two big brands on twitch uh impact which remains and triple a which actually left um a year ago so then there was a couple of companies that didn't have a high profile, but were doing quite well on there, one of which still is. So Rocky Mountain Pro, I, I popped on there um, a few weeks ago just to see what they were up to. And they were showing a trading session, just, you know, trainees, nobody of, no, of note yet. And there was 5,000 people watching this. I was like, wow, that's pretty amazing. So the, the companies that have seemed to have done well program 24-7. Uh, um, I noticed Vince Russo um, has something going on there as well. So maybe next time um, you have the opportunity to, to interview him, that might be more insightful. Um, and also there was some... Uh, Catalyst Wrestling. I I don't know if they still have their platform on there or not, but for a while being featured on the Twitch homepage, and then sort of like it got less of a rocket, you know, strapped to its back, and then its profile started um, diminishing. So they didn't have as much traction there. And um, when they were running shows, House of Hardcore um, had a pretty good presence on there. So what what about you know the bigger pro wrestling companies? So from what I gather, and we'll be able to talk about actual fact, it appears um, from AAA, that the bigger brands would actually get like a rights fee. So they would get paid against revenue share. So sort of like a minimum guarantee against rights. So that would be a company like Impact or um, certainly um, AAA. WWE is on there, but I don't think they do much um, with it. So where are we now so of course you know everyone this week um kind of found their way to twitch either for the first time or after quite a while because kenny omega um his appearance on impact this week and i'll be on next week it popped the number to about uh, a fifty thousand peak um which was far above what they had done before in the 20,000s. Um, but they've done you know, fairly well there because they program sort of a Twitch channel 24-7. So it kept going. And it was pretty much neck and neck with AAA. Um, when AAA would have Triple Mania on there, they would do better. When Impact um, would have a special, like they had um, uh, WrestleMania weekend special. I think it was like an ECW-type reunion. So that was their previously most watched show. But it you know, it kind of kept going. So there's not, you know, especially without live events, right, with most companies, there's not too much going on with Twitch right now, but you have impact and then much lower profile, Rocky Mountain Pro sort of like driving that horse. But what was really interesting that came out this week um, per Lucha blog, but it's a public um, lawsuit. So in a lawsuit that came out, um, publicly from Lucha blog, but it's, it's publicly searchable. Um, triple a, uh, is being paid or had been paid from Twitch about $650,000 against a revenue share. Um, the lawsuit in itself is actually quite interesting, which is a whole nother road to go down where a company, um, partly owned by triple a, but also partly owned, I think by the, um, El Rey network owners, um, they sort of had the rights to market AAA in America. And one of the points of contention was with stream, was it being marketed in America or 
you know, restrict is that consider that. So like, what is order now? And it's it's a hard thing to to distinguish. But what was also interesting about the stats that came out was how much is AAA being paid by other organizations? So Facebook paid AAA a minimum of $500,000 against the revenue share. Turner's Space paid AAA a licensing fee of $300,000. Pluto TV paid $250,000 against revenue share. And YouTube is paying them an unknown amount. Interesting. So they're able to make some money there, I guess, you know, and stay profitable in those that regard. I mean, that's pretty not great, great money, but that's pretty good. No, yeah, I mean, for a company, I mean, their production is is really top notch. Um, you know, anywhere in the world, like the lighting is great, and um, the performers are obviously excellent. But for a company based in Mexico City, um, if you're able to get a million and a half dollars like out of market, that's that's pretty amazing. And of course, you know, partly what. What brought this lawsuit was the deal that they signed with Disney. So that'll be really interesting to see sort of you know how things develop there. What do you think uh, on the lawsuit? How do you think it's going to shake out? I think like I think it's a very difficult position because sort of AAA was locked into this deal that wasn't really getting them anywhere. Like yeah, they had ground which actually still airs in in reruns sort of like what else could they do with it and now there's opportunities with companies like disney and they're either be i mean it's going on i guess disney wasn't scared off of, of having their their first match um with with uh, brian cage's thanos and uh you know all the talent which is really interesting um but uh hey you know if it was a bad deal but it's legitimate then you know you have to uphold the contract too so it just seems like a bad position to be in Talk about that just for a second, because that was interesting to see Leo Rush and Brian Cage and those guys dressed up as the, as the Disney characters. So that's all a part of Disney and AAA's working agreement, or is that just them doing whatever the hell they want to do? Yeah, so, right, it's a good question, because, like, uh, you know, for, for a long time in Mexican wrestling um you know you sort of like make up your own character and it was uh copyrighted but like no one was really looking one notable character to me was el el hijo del mighty mouse um i don't think he had the rights to mighty mouse but this was very official like they signed like an official deal with disney um i'm not sure to what ends whether disney just sees like how popular lucha libre is and sort of like integrate marvel into it so the marvel characters are even um top of mind and then when they have movies and sell merchandise people could think oh not only do I enjoy going to the movies but i just watch them on my favorite lucha libre program or this is something bigger um i think it was even like speculated that marvel wants to sort of like open up their own wrestling promotion um you know if it's all based on their own characters that would be quite interesting and i think like a very different market from sort of like the core wrestling fans so i think we have to see where this all goes just because disney's involved um you know it doesn't mean that they're all in that it'll be like a huge enterprise even though they're a huge company it might just be sort of like what it is and what we see it as now so i'm i'm very curious to watch that so as far as impact on twitch their viewership is that a sign of growth for the platform has pro wrestling moved on from twitch or is twitch a great outlet for pro wrestlers because it seems like some do well on there and maybe some don't yeah so it's it's interesting because of the timing like it seemed like things were sort of like coming down with with twitch and and wrestling um but uh, then, you know, obviously the pandemic hit and, and there really wasn't much going on. But it's interesting to see the spotlight back on it. I mean, even even Impact wasn't necessarily marketing that they're on Twitch. You know, when Kenny Omega was coming, they said, like, they had a link. See how you could find out about it, which makes a lot of sense, because if they could get people to subscribe to um, to access, that's a lot more revenue for them. I guess that I'd speculate than you know, people coming to to Twitch. but. But people came there because they found it and, um, you know, it was a good pop for them. So it'll be interesting to see if like this becomes like a consistent way people engage with pro wrestling. I think for pro wrestling companies, it's a good idea to try different things with Catalyst, formerly Capital Wrestling. It was like their first high profile like stream or online platform, like where they could really say we're like top four, top five among what we do. And, you know, that 
might not have been possible or, or hasn't been possible in YouTube or, you know, anything else like that. So people should experiment. Companies should experiment to see sort of like where they catch on. Um, each platform has its own thing going on. You never know how you'd appeal maybe to like what had been a core video gaming community. So fascinated by Twitch and what it's all about. It's one of those things where, you know, maybe me who doesn't know as much about the video game world and stuff like that. It's like, well, how can that be popular if, you know, like a, a popular service, if it's people watching other people play video games. So to me, it's like, I got to catch up a little bit and I guess get with the times with uh, the popularity of, of Twitch. Yeah. I mean, the earliest sort of example that I could think of is like, with Nintendo Entertainment System, so I'm dating myself. A friend had uh, on his VCR taped beating like Super Mario Brothers, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll watch that" because I've never beaten the game. You know, sort of like so it gives you insight into something that you want to do but haven't yet. And then imagine like adding an interactive element to it where you can talk to the person while they're playing the game and interact with other fans. So it's not for everyone, but there's a lot of different layers that I could see appealing. Also, Impact Wrestling was using Twitch when they weren't even on TV, right? So that was kind of like their only platform that they were on at one point, I believe. Yeah, so especially when they were like, you know, they they kept bumping around. So when they moved to Pop, which was a lower rate station since it used to be the TV Guide Network, like everyone sort of had that. Um, so like you'd have to find out what channel it's on. But then when it really moved on from that and was on like some of the other uh, Anthem-owned stations, like um well destination america people found that but then um you know whatever it was the hunting channel <laughs> they don't call it that but like most people didn't have that one or didn't know how to find it so that's when sort of like twitch became essential if you want to continue following your favorite company like on friday nights you could see the same show so i think that really helped with a, a migration of fans to the platform and like we've seen before, and, and we've kind of talked about it just briefly, but Zelina Vega, she became so popular on Twitch. She was making more money on Twitch than she was from WWE because she had 15,000 subscribers at, you know, a few bucks a month. And you times that over a month and you times it over a year and you realize, wow, like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. She's making 500 grand off Twitch. Yeah. So, you know, um, it's great for her. Like, you know, if you, you have your platform and you have your fans, it's, it's a good way to connect and not every, like, I would say like, if you try and be everywhere, it's hard to get anywhere. So experiment, but try what works best for you. I wouldn't just do one type of platform because some people have a preference for other things, but like, just to say that you're everywhere helpful, you sort of like have to be all in on, on a few different things. And as far as just Twitch in general, like, does WWE go on there? Will WWE go on there? Does AEW have a channel? Do they do it? Like, does other wrestling organizations, does ROH, I mean, who else is on Twitch? Yeah, so WWE is on there. They they haven't done much with it. I think they sort of saw some action going on there, um, especially like being an Amazon-owned company, but they haven't really been on. And I don't think like there might be... in individual talents actually um chris harrington uh mukigana of aw vice president um so he kind of announces on, on twitter sort of like that he's going to be video gaming with the dark order and some other guys from the promotion which kind of sounds fun which allows you to engage in it on a whole nother level i don't think that's like a company initiative at all or like a marketing growth plan but it's an interesting way of like engaging with talent and with the company in uh, unique ways i don't think it's anything of significance yet but it just kind of shows to the potential of, of engaging in a different way rather than like here's a match, here's a match. Um, like when I was a wrestling fan at, at my peak, none of these things were around. And like, if there was the opportunity to engage with Barry Horowitz by playing Super Mario Brothers with him online, like I would have done that. <laughs> it's just, to me, it's so fascinating. What a, what a different and, and unique world. And we, like we say on the show, there's are other ways of making money in the wrestling business that isn't necessarily TV or pay-per-view generated. We've talked about YouTube before, and now we're talking about Twitch and generating all this money from Twitch. It's fascinating. Yeah, so many different platforms and some things that like we can't even imagine that'll be around in two years. So is New Japan on Twitch? No, no. I think they're, not that I know of, um, you know, they have their 
they have their YouTube their, their YouTube interesting because they have an English version and a, a Japanese language version and they're sort of they're they're historically right like we're going on like 48 years or however long they've been around where um we're waiting for them to like break into other markets and they've sort of dipped their toes in the water and came back had success and then not or lost platforms and not so i don't know how much experimenting that they do and they're part of a big conglomerate so sometimes things are a little bit slower more of a, a steady pace with a company like bushi road i would imagine so this is interesting because you got non um, U.S. really. I mean, these are brands that are not on U.S. TV, but technically, like AAA and New Japan, they kind of could be. New Japan was at one point. Obviously, AAA could be again. One of those things where, man, there's maybe potential here on Twitch, and and maybe the NWA, if they're not going to come back through YouTube, maybe can come back through Twitch or do something unique and different uh, as far as that. No, so I've yeah, I've often thought about you know the potential of these platforms, especially if they had television and since they lost it, AAA now is becoming clearer. Like, you know, their product looks so great. Lucha Libre is like so much on the consciousness of Americans. Now um, they had been on Galavision when it was a smaller um, station. Um, now looking at their ratings, they're, they're pretty good, you know, uh, for, for a station of that size, we'll get into sort of like cable ratings later, but I think there's this lawsuit that's certainly slowing them down, right? Like you can have an argument for like is streaming, um, uh, you know, in the U S market, but if you're on U S television, that's not El Rey, then like, you know, you're maybe you're in violation of that lawsuit. So that gave me a lot of clarity because I'd always been thinking about it, but with new Japan, I'm very surprised that they haven't broken back onto television. Like the way that I see it, they, they were a real driver of the profile of access TV. And we know with um, Anthem impacts owners buying the company, it makes sense. Although it's sort of like a little bit of a lose, lose by removing new Japan from access, but like not to land with another company with so many different channels and you wouldn't have to be the ones that primarily produce it. You could take content. Um, you'd have to work out a deal with the TV network in Japan because they own um, that content as opposed to the company. But you could take that content and, and rebrand it without having to like tape something individually here. Like not to put that on surprises me. NWA is an interesting one. Like they had, they've had some good success with YouTube. Um, I don't know how much they've reached out in other platforms. And we've talked about not, sort of being um, fully invested in like maybe I don't know exactly how they do it, but in potentially like a lot of full-time staffers, like it always seems like, you know, when you have a multimillionaire, Billy Corgan, that that's famous from smashing pumpkins, like that he could do more, but maybe he's happy with what it is just because he's been super successful in one area. It doesn't mean he wants to invest all of that money or take a risk in, in something else that he obviously enjoys. I feel like you could use Twitch if you're New Japan or AAA, even to do like profile pieces and promote something and send them someplace else. You know what I mean? Just kind of just use that template and use it. If there's fans on there that you can grab and you can reach, kind of tease them on Twitch, tease them on YouTube maybe a little bit and get them onto your streaming service. And then obviously New Japan World would be the, the ideal one, which has American speaking with uh, Kevin Kelly on there. So you could kind of, I don't know, maybe, uh, I feel like maybe these guys out there could utilize this stuff better. Yeah, I mean, with New Japan, I would say like, that they should definitely look into it with AAA. I mean, it was, it does appear to have been their biggest actually like ex guaranteed um, sort of like mm. streaming money. So for whatever didn't work out in the contract and they were able to want to walk away from that, or maybe it wasn't renewed and they didn't have an opportunity. They probably wouldn't want to come back like in a lower profile role. So for whatever reason that didn't work out, but I do have a prediction of. So lobby, what is that prediction? So, I think Wow is the next company to um, to get back on U.S. television, um, having the support of Jeannie Bus, the um, uh, the per the person that runs the Los Angeles Lakers, of course, and being um, long time invested in this Wow brand. Um, I think if they need to, they'll pay for it um, and get back on television. Again, it's probably similar to Billy Corgan in that, um, although I believe I would guess she has uh, more money. But uh, once you get to the point, who you know, why do we need to worry about it? But um, but I don't think like 
that she's ever been like, oh, I love this so much that I'll I'll pay so much to put it on television and to like not have a a way to make money. But you know, WoW seemed most stable on access. It was getting positive results. It was on a fairly well distributed television platform. So it was kind of a shame to have it cut short when uh, Impact um, or Anthem bought the company. So we've been talking primarily, we've been talking Twitch. We talked obviously about WWE's new talent management group. We've been talking a little bit about AAA and their lawsuit. But what about the 2020 cable ratings and TV universe reach for stations here in the good old US of A for pro wrestling? Yes. So um, a couple uh, discoveries this week. So I was Googling... um, access nielsen tv ratings and um uh to my surprise i came up with the uh sag afra aftra um website you know the screen actors guild website where they have a section that apparently is open to the public called 2019 cable network unit values it appears they only updated every three years so i'm working from the latest version but a lot of this content is hard to get or, or there's multiple sources that they cited that might be behind paywalls but it's helpful to know so what i did was i took the numbers and i compared them not necessarily to the whole cable universe, but around what USA and TNT have in terms of distribution. They're both around 89 million homes. So I'd like to go through the uh, top 10 or the top 11 um, more accurately to give us a sense of stations that have some form of pro wrestling on it, sort of what's their distribution reach as compared to USA and TNT. And then later for some of these stations, we could talk about what their overall 2020 cable TV ratings were. So in terms of the um, cable network universe reach, number one after, of course, USA and TNT for pro wrestling is Access, not surprisingly. Um, In 2019, they had 51,800,000 homes, so about um, 58% um, in comparison to USA and TNT. Next is a little bit complicated because we have Sinclair's Fox Sports Regional owned stations, some of which might cross over, some of them not. If you aggregate all of their um, 21 Fox Sports Net stations, it's in about 51 million homes. So about the equivalent of Access TV. If it's less, then a little bit less, but probably the next largest unit. Um, we're going to get into some more um, Sinclair-owned stations in a in a few moments. So you could sort of like, not necessarily put one on top of the other, but it has a wider reach. Next, um, somewhat unfortunately, um, although we'll look at their um, ratings that I would describe as poor later in terms of a station. I don't have Lucha Underground reruns ratings, but El Rey overall um, has 40% of USA and TNT. So 36 million homes. Next, which surprised me, um, is Z Living. Um, I was only recently discovered I have this channel while searching for wrestling um, on uh, my Optimum network, and they have championship wrestling from Hollywood. So they're at 22% um, distribution, so just under 20 million. Then um, somewhat surprising as the reach was was diminishing, but I hadn't realized it diminished this much. Being sports, the main channel is in uh, 16,435,000 homes, about 18% comparatively. And being Espanol um, is in 14 million homes, so about 16%. Next is Game TV, which airs Impact. Um, that's another Anthem owned station. They're in 9 million homes, so that's 10%. Um, are they in some homes that don't get access? Maybe. So like, if you think about Impact's reach, it's probably over 50 million. I don't think you could add them together, but the reach is wider than 50 million. U2 America, which um, when it was, they acquired a company called America One, um, that station for like 25 years has aired pro wrestling. Um <laughs> So they air OVW and Championship Wrestling from Hollywood now, which is 6.5 million, 7%. WAPA America, which airs uh, um, WWC, um, 
it has 5,847,000 viewers, so 6%. Nessun, so the last two we're going to talk about also air ROH. So it just goes to show the cable reach of the company. And that's not even talking about all of the regional stations that they air, like um, where they have in different markets, like NBC, ABC, W, uh, you know, all those type of stations. So Nessun has 4,000,000. 4.5%. Cox Sports, 1.7 million, so 1.9%. Okay. So, of course, you have a reach, but, you know, how much does it matter? I mean, it matters a lot, but sort of like what's also interesting is how do these stations do in general? So, not all of them rank. So, there's uh, the rap. Um, which is, um, you know, they look at cable TV and entertainment um, information. They have a 2020 average cable ratings rankings. So for those stations that I mentioned that rank, some of which wouldn't be considered. So like a Cox Sports, the Fox Sports Regional Network, Nesson, those aren't considered national networks in, in that way. So they wouldn't be considered, I don't think, for the list. So it doesn't mean that they have low ratings in their markets, but sort of like from a national perspective. So um, number nine was TNT and number 13 was USA. I was surprised. I thought they were higher ranking networks. Um, but number nine, TNT averages in prime time, 925,000. USA, 799,000. Number five, 51 is Fox Sports 1, 227,000. Access is 59,000. So, you know, the typical rule of thumb is that pro wrestling ranks higher um, than station averages. So we could see that um, right away with TNT. Uh, well, they're they're sort of like right up there with TNT, AW. USA, certainly Raw ranks higher. It looks like um, depending on the week, um, uh, you know, NXT might do better, might do worse than that. Fox Sports won when, you know, uh, SmackDown and so on migrates there. It does much better. But when they had the, the after show, it was doing less than that, I think. Access TV, so it looks like it's usually triple that amount, 59,000. Then we have B in at 116 at 8,000 viewers in primetime. B in Espanol, 4,000 viewers in primetime. We'd have to assume that Major League Wrestling does far and above this. El Rey, which doesn't run um, Lucha Underground reruns in prime time, as far as I know, does about 7,000. And finally, I have the ratings for sort of all day non-prime time, just to give you a sense of TNT, 478,000, USA, 456,000, Fox Sports, 119,000, Axis, 24,000, Fox Sports, 13,000. Interestingly, it's being Espanol does 10,000 in non-prime time. My speculation would be that some of their best ratings are for um, soccer or, or football. Um, and a lot of that would air sort of in prime time in its regions. So when it airs here during the day, people go out and seek it. That's one of the only programs that I would guess people seek out being for in addition to Major, Leagues, uh, Major League Wrestling. Um, El Rey does 6,000 during the day. Um, so those are the ratings. Thing is interesting to me. So normally TNT is more popular than the USA Network. Yes. So they're number nine, and USA is number thirteen. And I could bring up the um, the full ratings. Not that we'll we'll give the hundred nineteen, but just to give a sense of like who was number one this year, and sort of like with the political atmosphere, you know, it's not going to be surprising. So who were the top uh, networks? Um, one moment. So okay. So yes. Dynamite is technically below average of what would normally be on TNT. Yeah, so I think so. I feel like it's it's around that, right? Somebody, some people are tracking that, like you know, lifetime to date or year to year as well, certainly. But um, right, a lot of weeks it is below below the average, except for uh, the last. Uh, really, I guess real well, Sting kind of the the tease of Sting or his first appearance was probably right around what they would normally do. And obviously last week when he was doing um, his, his promo, he did over that amount. So, I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess it's kind of a, depends on who's on and what they're doing and what they're promoting. But yet usually they don't really break the 900,000 mark on, uh, excuse me, on dynamite. It's one of those things where, wow, I, I didn't realize TNT was, was 
as far as other shows were popular because I can't really think of what else is on that, that channel, but maybe Snowpiercer. But um, I don't know, that, that kind of fascinated me because if you look at USA, about 800,000 is what they average, and Raw does, you know, 10 times that. I mean, Raw's doing uh, 1.8 million. So that's interesting. Yeah. And um, so the, the top 15 channels, just to give people a sense, Fox Sports. Fox News, excuse me, Fox News Channel, MSNBC, CNN, ESPN, Home and Garden, TLC, Hallmark, TBS, Turner Network Television, History, Discovery, Food Network, USA, A&E, and Investigation Discovery. And since there's pro wrestling at the bottom of the list, and again, I don't, like, it depends on what, what the station's, like, plan is is like there are more than 119 cable stations so to be 119 isn't necessarily embarrassing unless like you had put so much money into it that you know um you know that that it's failing that way but just to give people a sense from the top uh up so from like 119 up just a few comedy.tv so be in sports el rey be in sports espanol news newsy justice central fuse Fox Sports 2, CNN in Espanol, and Universal Kids, which my kids really like that channel. I'm, I'm surprised it never does that well. So if you look at it, Access TV averages about 60,000. Obviously, Impact normally averages 150,000. So, I mean, their normal programming is going to – it's not doing nearly as well as Impact. And when Kenny Omega showed up, it did about 220,000, which is probably on par with what New Japan used to do on access tv but you know still a great number for what they normally do i love looking at that kind of stuff like what was the you know what was the driver what's going up what's going down did it used to be more popular at one point what else is on the channel so it looks like dynamite needs to do some catching up to tnt it looks like raw is pretty much dominating for usa obviously smackdown which we didn't talk about needs to get that number up to catch up with some other fox shows access tv is happy to have impact doing what it's doing and obviously, you know, be in sports in El Rey, I guess, if Lucha Underground is doing reruns, they're probably happy with what they're getting. Is that kind of the, the gist of it? Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. That That's, yeah, I agree with all of that. So how do you equate reach versus ratings? Is that like equated at all? Like, how do you kind of look at that? Because I'm looking at reach and I'm thinking like, wow, I feel like these wrestling shows possibly could be doing a better number because the reach is a lot different than what we're getting from the ratings. No, a hundred percent. So like, you know, when, when you think about it, like, okay, what's WWE doing or what's um, AW doing? They pretty much have the whole universe. Like a and E, yes, they're in 92 million homes, but like those 3 million homes that have such limited cable that the station doesn't even give them like USA and TNT, but they give them A and E. Like I don't know if you're losing out on that many fans in that way, but you know it could be. Um, but like when you're looking at um, certainly like access, um, you know they're in you know so many less homes. So like it's not necessarily that you can multiply it by forty by an additional forty five percent, and you'd sort of like be all the way there. Like if they had full distribution, would they be? Uh, on with 400,000 viewers when Kenny Omega appears, you know, it, it's, it's hard to tell, but certainly a station like, um, like uh, be in sports with MLW, if MLW is in a bigger platform, we'd a, I, I, I would think we'd be able to get a sense of what their ratings are right now. They're not in the, the top 150 um, original programs. And, you know, with a reach of only 16 million and 14 million homes, you know, you could see it makes sense why they're doing so much in the digital space, not only potentially now we see, you know, what some brands are making for digital um, distribution, but just in terms of getting the word out there, if they're programming, and such a small percentage of the market, it's even lower than Z Living. Um, you know, it's hard to, to brand a promotion just based on television. I'm always kind of fascinating or fascinated with like how much homes are these things in, like how many people are watching it. So I'm always kind of curious. Do these stations market and promote wrestling? Like we're saying, oh, you know, it's in 61 million million homes, but the rating is really, you know, around a million or even in some cases could be 150,000. But do they even promote or really market wrestling? So 
I think it's station by station. I feel like TNT, like they're they're all in on it. Um, every time I say all in, I want to say like no pun intended, but that would get <laughs> that would get exhausting <laughs> after a while. Uh, and USA certainly they've been partners with WWE for a long time, and they have a major investment. I feel like um, begin. You know, they've they've had many nights where. Um, you know, where they've just given the station over to major league wrestling or they've had marathons and that sort of thing. So it must be doing well for them. They're sort of investing in it in that way. And they kind of found a mutual time slot that worked well. So it didn't interfere um, with other pro wrestling. So I think the partnership has been good and it's been renewed, but with some of the other stations that are lower profile, like with Z living and championship wrestling from Hollywood, I don't know if there's any, rights being exchanged if there's like a barter agreement if it's just sort of like we'll put it on the air but we won't pay you and you get the um sort of the distribution from it i can't you know it's hard to speculate i'm just thinking back on like past distribution agreements with lower profile wrestling companies and it's also like i don't know if it's the middle of the night you know it's not such a great time slot even though they have wide distribution it's not something necessarily that they're going to um promote as far as kind of where some of those stations are who do you think is happiest with you know who they have and who do you think is maybe looking to get rid of wrestling Mm. well we know access is solid right like anthem they they bought the brand they believe in the brand it's been speculated that they bought access specifically because of the brand although like you know, I think that's sort of like through the wrestling filter. That's a s- simple way of looking at it. But like when they recently broke into Canada with Access, they weren't promoting Impact as like the main driver. They're promoting music. So I think to say that would be a stretch. Um, I think right now everyone's kind of solid where they are. You know, there's there's speculation sort of like, let's say um, – AEW continues to do well and their deal comes up and uh, WWE's deal comes up. I don't know if those align perfectly, but, um, but like maybe a USA would look at an AEW, right? Like, like if they're doing demos that at that point are just as good in the advertising rates, but even still a lower number overall, if they can get it at a discount, you know, why not consider that? So we might see some of that shuffling around sort of like with uh, Spike TV, when um, WWE uh, moved from USA um, and then USA like dabbled a little bit in considering wrestling, there was always those like ECW rumors or something, but then decided not to pick up other forms of wrestling. But then Spike, when they lost WWE and WWE went back to USA, eventually um, TNA and Impact, um, they kind of got like a Saturday night fit hold. They did well and sort of like kept growing till they had a Monday night three-hour time slot imploded on themselves and then sort of did really well in the ratings till some, uh, apparently some emails were misdirected. I'm just also curious about like, let's just say, TNT isn't happy with that number, but they're in a contract. Are they able to get out of it? Or is that, you know, kind of like legal mumbo jumbo? You got to get lawyers involved and stuff. Like, is there a way like they can get out of these contracts? Specifically, let's say Dynamite's not reaching a a specific number. You know, maybe they need to be higher. Is there a way to like, you know, out clause on some of these contracts? With, with television, my general sense is that there always is, you know, a way out might have to be paying a lot of money to get out. But um, and then there's sort of like, you know, in, in television, if you're not reaching certain numbers, there's there's make goods, right? Like if you sell your advertising for a certain amount and promise a certain amount of viewers, then you sort of like have to make it up at, at different times of the day, giving advertising. So overall, that's a loss, but like you make it up in certain ways. But, you know, all indications are that TNT is really happy with them, that they renewed the contract really quickly when they were doing around, you know, like the first week it popped and so on. But like after that, you know, things had been fairly consistent. So they seem, you know, really happy and TNT, they're very high profile, prestigious, but they're not what they were, um, you know, 20, 25 years ago, and neither is USA. Like those companies were battling for the top three or top five standing on cable. And now they're, they're very good. Like top 15 is still great, but number nine, 13 is a big difference. I feel like 
something has got to, you know, hit right. I guess maybe wrestling is so niche now that it maybe won't, and we're kind of stuck where we're at. But the numbers do seem pretty low. If you think about it, $2 million for SmackDown, $1.7 or $1.8 for Raw, with Dynamite doing probably somewhere around eight fifty, I would guess would be the average, and NXT I think would be around six fifty or seven hundred would probably be about the average for them. It just seems like you know something is definitely uh, not right with there. It could be creative, could be many different issues, maybe too many other things to watch, maybe two other great streaming shows out there or something. But something's got to kick because you know when we were in our heyday watching wrestling, I mean it was ten million people plus. Watch. I mean, it, it was a, it was a to do. It was an event. It was something that we were clamoring after. And now we're talking about, oh wow, you know, they did pretty good, two hundred twenty thousand. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're like, <laughs> that's really in, in the grand scheme of things, not great. But in today's world, maybe maybe it's okay. Yeah, and like I remember um, ECW on um, TNN. And uh, like everyone that was a big fan, we were just like imagining what's the ring going to be. They're so many passionate fans. And when it was uh, just under a million, we were all like, oh, man. And then it was doing really badly. What was it doing badly? 700,000. And now that's like a normal rating for the sec- most popular promotion or like a WWE branded product. Whereas like when you think about what was Sunday Night Heat doing, right? Like they would do like four and a half million people sometimes. So yeah, things have certainly changed. As far as, let's say, you know, you got Kenny Omega, he's coming in, he's going to pop a little bit of a rating for Impact, help this, help that. Do you agree with how they kind of added up all the numbers and they put it together and they said that's what the number was? You know what I mean? They, they told it all out. It was like 750000 but they took it from here. They played a 12-minute clip on YouTube. They counted that clip. Do you, do you kind of agree with that and saying, okay, that's the final number or the number is the number? I mean, the TV number is the number. I think to be fair, you sort of have to look at it like when it was streamed. And I know, I believe the, um, the YouTube came after the Twitch stream. So, but like, like the first time it airs, like I'm comfortable with the aggregate of that. So like, if you're watching YouTube, like let's say MLW and you see, okay, 4,000 people, 6,000 people are watching now. And then it ends and like the minute after it ends, it shows like 80,000 people watch, right? So it was people in and out, not just me clicking back and forth to see like, you know, what the rate, what the viewership is now, but like people in and out or something like Facebook live, right? Like when you're scrolling through, if you subscribe to AAA, you know, maybe that's counted as a viewer, but you weren't even really watching and you didn't come back to it, or maybe you did later. So like, it's not necessarily individual people, but like I think it would be fair to do it like the first time it aired or the first time it streamed, but not like clipped up version. But you know, like for a company that's struggling for relevance, sort of like as a a third, sort of like struggling for that third type brand status in in North America, like you'll take whatever wins you can. As far as being uh, top of the cable ratings world. WB is kind of, you know, it's in the top 10, right? Most of the time, I mean, where do they kind of sit? I know we're not too WB centric, but where do they kind of sit with, with, um, with like raw and stuff? Are they usually top 10 ish? Yeah, they're they're always among that, you know, like you have different events, whether it's sports or certainly like politics um, that sort of like push things around a little bit. But, you know, what what's helped them is that they've been solid for so long. And, you know, what what people assume was like the bottom or like the core viewership has eroded even in itself, like. I never would have imagined not watching like the biggest wrestling company regularly, like every week um, years ago. Um, but, you know, they're there and sort of like as things keep getting chopped up more, you know, in terms of where people are going and how they consume content, they'll still be valuable. And they've actually been able to take what are lower ratings year to year and, and turn it into more money year to year. So good for them on that. Now, we were talking about all these ratings and stuff, and we didn't mention one key thing that people love to bring up every week. What about the demos, man? Where, where's the demos? What, what's going on in the demos? Yeah, um, <laughs> that's a good point. Come on, the rap, <laughs> step it up. <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't sign up for my seven-day free trial to get access to this information for nothing. <laughs> um, but, but that's all we have. That's all we have right now. I'm sure there's there's other ways to um, to access that information and and to share it. What do you think about when, let's say, 
NXT very, very infrequently, by the way, would beat AEW. And I know Jericho, some of it's tongue-in-cheek, some of it's part of his gimmick saying, oh, but we won the demos. We, you know, we always won the demos. How much do you equate to that with the demos and the actual rating? Because, you know, Meltzer goes crazy about it, talking about how, hey, they, they're winning 18 to 49 every week, no matter what. That's all they care about. That's what the ad people care about. Um is that the case? I mean, do, don't you want to have a better overall rating? Or are they literally only con- concerned and consumed with 18 to 49? I think, like, yes, it might be, like, advertising's main driver as, as being in those, you know, um, that context. But I'm sure that they want the overall rating, too. Like, you'll highlight whatever you have. And I think it is more genuine to focus on like the weeks that you win, which is, you know, most of the weeks rather than saying, well, it doesn't matter this week. And then two weeks later, you're back and emphasizing how well, uh, how well you did overall. What do you think about the demos? Is it that impressive a number to talk about? Or do you even think the demos are a little bit low as far as the number wise? I mean, when I look at it offhand, like when you're dealing like points, right? Like whatever it is, 0.34 and you know what that equates to, it it strikes me as low, but it seems like everyone is happy with that. So um, if that's what it is now, if that's the challenges of cable TV now for a top 10 or a a program that actually sometimes is like number two in its demos, number three, and um, that's what people are expecting, then, you know, keep going with it. So I remember when I used to watch wrestling, and obviously we're, we're of the same age, they used to say 18 to 34. For some reason, it was changed to 18 to 49. Is there a reason why they, they stretched it so much? Because I feel like if it was 1834, that number would probably be cut down even further. Yeah, and I remember like 12 to 34 was like a thing for a while too. So mm-hmm. I don't know how it how and why it expanded, but, but it does seem like that um, – to 34 18 to 34 has been the core but but i know what you're saying it sounds sounds familiar to me too now with that i just think it's funny because it's almost like stretching a number that's so small does it even matter but obviously it matters to the advertisement stuff but if you just kind of look at at it big scheme and stuff it's like all right you know steve austin you know in, in his prime like if he ever got that number they would take the title off of him and you know he may be getting a, a less of a push right i mean it's one of those things where it's like man wrestling has changed and we're like analyzing numbers even more now but we're analyzing a number that is less than what we're used to or accustomed to back in the heyday and, and you know back in my day and you know get off my lawn all, all that kind of stuff but back in the day the numbers were so much bigger it's ridiculous yeah, Jim Cornette had a good line that soon, like these promotions will be passing DVDs around, and that'll, <laughs> that'll get better distribution. Actually, I remember ECW had to do that when they lost MSG Channel in New York, and people would go to a show in Queens. They would actually give out the DVD and be like, "Don't miss the last four weeks of television." Here you go. Wow, did I didn't even know that? Wow, that that is a. I guess you got to do what you got to do, though. Yeah, yeah. A funnier story would be like if they charged you and it was blank, but uh, but they didn't do that. They were, from what I understand, they were giving it out and, and everything was fine, which is a smart way to keep their fans engaged at that time. Now, as we uh, head for the wrap here, and not talking about the wrap, which you have the seven day trial of, talking about the wrap and the show here. What is kind of just your overall thoughts just uh, on Twitch and the model? Will it ever kind of catch up to YouTube or is it much more of a niche audience? So it's really about um, Amazon's investment in Twitch, like what they see as valuable. Um, I had seen, you know, uh, an article or two where they're making some noise about being in the sports space as much as they consider um, pro wrestling sports. If that's something they're investing in and they want to promote, then that's how they'll, um, that's how it will grow. I don't think, I think there'll be some organic reach, but as we see with the biggest brands, it wasn't that they're getting thrown these bits and sort of like, that's what makes it valuable to them. That might be more, or exposure might be more of the value to a Rocky Mountain Pro or a couple of years ago, Capital Wrestling. But like, if you want the big brands there, you have to pay them for it. And the same with their larger uh, parent company with Amazon, especially with their Prime and the Fire Stick. People often talk about Amazon competing for live sports. Um, Will they get into the pro wrestling game? If they want to spend the money and they see the value in pro wrestling, then they will. 
as far as the plugs, what do you got going on? Give us all your social medias. Give us the Trump Mania book where everybody can get it. Sure. So firstly, for Amazon, a uh, a gift for the whole family, um, grandma, grandchildren, whomever, right? <laughs> Trump mania, Vince McMahon, WWE, and the making of America's 45th president, um, 2020 election special edition, um, available on all Amazon platforms, whether it's a print or Kindle edition. Follow me on Twitter, LaVieMarg, L-A-V-I-E-M-A-R-G. I've rebranded. So when you find my page. You'll see the business of the business. So I'm excited um, to do that. And if you want to read some of my long form articles where I'm covering um, many of these topics, lioncubjobsearch.com. And for the two-man power trip and for myself, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at two-man power trip. You could also check out my website, tmptempire.com dot com has all of the shows and has the latest and greatest from the two-man power trip of wrestling so for this week episode number three business of the business we close but lobby what do we got on store next week for episode number four Mm, that's a great question. <laughs> that is a great question. I think um, one of the things that we want to look at towards sort of like as we get towards the new year is which brands are best positioned for 2021. As fans return eventually, which might it um, you know help ignite a, a rise in, uh, in interest, right? If you imagine WWE having a full arena or AEW being able to run some of their shows, but is Ring of Honor um, well positioned? Will they be able to bring fans back and will there be excitement? So I think there's something to look at with all those brands and we cover things as they happen here. So there's a lot of exciting news, I'm sure, that will come out over the next week as people close up their business towards the end of the year. Yeah, we didn't plan on talking about WB Talent talent management group today but we did indeed it popped up right as we were recording so that was very kind of a cool little uh audible there cool little uh curveball to throw at you so thank you everybody for joining us this week and we'll see you right back here next week for the business of the business see you next week folks <laughs>